Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. We're still in the Gideon series um, on this particular uh, Sabbath. Uh, we'll be in there for uh, quite a bit more times. Uh, but in this particular portion of it, we are coming from Judges chapter 6. I hope that as we have been preaching about Judges chapter 6, you have gone and you have read it a couple of times. Uh, Judges chapter 6, verses 25 through 32. We're going to read that in uh, your hearing, but you're going to find it. Judges chapter 6. And verse 25 through 32 is where we will get our sermon platform for today. Uh, and because the word of God is the authority in our lives, let's stand in reverence to it as we read it. Judges chapter 6, verse 25 through 32. If you found it, say amen. Hallelujah. If you're still looking, say help me Jesus. We can wait for you, little guy. Judges 6, 25 through 32. The words are here on the screen. I'll read it in your hearing. And it reads, that same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Mm -hmm. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Verse 26. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. Verse 27. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. Amen. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the day. Mm -hmm. In the morning, verse 28, when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished and Asherah's pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. Verse 29, they asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did it. My Lord. The people of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son. He must die because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole besides it. And I love this next part. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd, around him are you going to plead Baal's case or cause are you trying to save him let me tell you whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning for if Baal really is a god ooh, I think I should say that just one more time for if Baal really is a God. Y'all want to say that with me? Can, can we just say that all together? For if Baal really is a God, let's go together. He can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. My Lord. 
I'll read verse 32. So because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, they gave him the name Jerubbabel that day saying, let Baal contend with him. Bring you a message today entitled, Moving from Revelation into Reality. Moving from Revelation into Reality. Father God, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know, Jesus. For today, O oh Lord, if you should remove yourself from me, this blue and white shirt would fall to the stage as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. But yet, O oh Lord, you've allowed this moment to take place. You knew, Father, that when we were yet twinklings in our parents' eyes, Father, that you would command this day to take place, Father, because you wanted someone to move from revelation to reality. And so on today, Lord, consider their hearts and enable your servant to speak your word boldly. Stretch out your hand to perform great signs and wonders through your holy name, through Jesus' name. Let the whole church say amen and amen. You may take your seat. Moving from revelation into reality. The revelation was that you, Gideon, are going to be a mighty man of valor. He took his time trying to figure out what the angel of the Lord was saying to him there. And then finally now, the rubber meets the road. It's no longer just an admonition. It's no longer just some encouragement from a divine figure, Joan. It's no longer a conversation, Marilyn. Now the Lord wants Gideon to do something about being mighty. He wants him to put some action to the revelation that has been given to him. You've seen the videos just as I've seen them. They're videos, Nat, of uh, uh, two dogs uh, in fighting back and forth through a gate, barking viciously at each other, uh, uh, just going in. Uh, but then Mark, as soon as the gate opens up and they have a chance to go at each other, they sheepishly get quiet, turn around, don't stare each other in the eye. But then when the gate rolls back between them, they're back barking at each other as if saying to themselves, if this gate wasn't there, I would jump over and I would do. Anybody else saw those videos? It's like those individuals who are in a crowd waiting to fight somebody else, Pierre. And the thing that they're saying is, you lucky they holding me back. However, there comes a time in the Christian walk with Christ that we have to actually step out of the boat and walk on the water that God has said we could walk on. It wouldn't have been nothing if Peter would have said, Lord, can I come out? And he said, come out, and Peter never walked out. There comes a time in the Christian walk with Christ that we have to actually stand on what God told us to do and understand that where he told us to stand, that is sure footing. There comes a time in the Christian walk when we have to put prayer, praise, and progress together. 
It's not always praising in the church. It's not always praying in the church. Sometimes someone has got to come out and actually put to test what God has said. There got to be a time in your walk with Christ that you move from comfort to uncomfort. Trusting in the unfailing hands of God. So we've been in this story with Gideon. One of the judges of Israel, God has called him to be a mighty man of valor. He has called him to be a mighty warrior, called him to be a brave hero, a mighty hero. And now he has to do what God is now telling him to do. He's tested him, you remember. He asked him to stay there and wait for him, and God waited. He came and he put a, uh, a, a, a meat sacrifice before him. He burnt it up on the rocks, and now God is saying, here are your marching orders, Gideon. I want to share with you that there is a fear that arises in the hearts of the believers when after the sermon is preached and the praise team finished singing, let the praises rise, that you and I have to go out and live in the revelation that we agreed that God revealed to us. Let me tell you, this fear can cause you and I to doubt what we just heard from God. This fear can cause you and I uh, 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 to doubt uh, uh, that God told us that we would be great. This fear can have us continuing to live below the calling on your life and the purpose that he has created you with. I need to tell you right now, some of us in here right now are in that spot between possibility and failure, but somehow can't move, but love the the fact that God told us that we were going to be great. Some of us right now are pregnant with power and possibilities. You are on the cusp of reality into the greatness that God has shared with you that you would be, but something is holding you back from getting to what God has told you you could do. When it's time for the rubber to meet the road, your courage has no traction on the road. When it's time for the rubber to meet the road, your axles can't turn. When it's time for the rubber to meet the road, your engine's stops and stalls, but let me tell you, there is something about that revelation that only you can do and God wants you to do it. So here's how you move from revelation into reality. When God spoke to Gideon, go tear down your father's altar to Baal and the Asherah pole, Gideon said, okay. Then he went out and he looked at it and he said, oh, shoot. Man, if I do this, they're going to be mad at me. And he said, you know what? Best time for me to do it, Taylor, is at night. And the Bible says he gathered 10 of his men. And he went and he did it. Now, 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 many Christians will get lost on this particular fact in the story because he starts out to say, yeah, I'm going to go do it. Then he looks and the Bible says that he said, I'm going to do it at night. And he uses a word that many of us find offensive, but we all fall victim to it. The Bible says that he chose to do it at night because he was afraid. Mm -hmm. Because he was afraid 
Oh, but let me tell you something. He still did it. Mm -hmm. He still did it. My first point I want to bring to you today, when you're moving from revelation to reality, get going slowly and comfortably, but get going. You see, Gideon gets told, Lord, uh, uh, go do this particular stuff. And he, he goes and he does this thing and he, 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 he brings it down. Uh, 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 but, but, but what happened in that moment of his fear is what stops you and I oftentimes from being able to say, but I did it. You see, a good Christian might come out here and quote uh, Timothy to me and say, preacher, but we were not created with the spirit of fear. And I will tell you that that is true. But can I share with you something about fear? Fear is like realish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like God did not create you with a spirit of fear, so you shouldn't have it. But like fear is like, I mean, like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, oh, shoot. It's, you see, but, but, but watch this. Check out the difference, David, between fear and really what Gideon did, Gideon was cautious. Mm -hmm. and, and I believe today that, that there is a cement between fear and caution that some of us are paralyzed in. And because we're seeing fear, we're unable to move how God has asked us to move. Even though you've believed in the call on your life to be mighty, to be a warrior for Christ, to deliver your family, uh, to do great things, to be the head and not the tail captain, to be above and not believe. Even though you believe in that, if we were to put on a song and talk about victory belongs to God and you are going to have the victory, you would agree. But as soon as we step into the car, we're going to get stuck right in this fair moment because if you step out, they might do something to you. If you speak up, they might shut you down. And if you open up to talk about something, they might remind you of your past. There is a, there is a difference between fear and caution. Can I talk about that for just a moment? You see, fear often has us worrying about things that haven't even happened yet. And at part, they may not even happen. While caution... Caution begs us to proceed, to keep going, to keep moving. However, proceed carefully. Go in discretion. Walk with weariness. Fear, fear is a red light. Mm -hmm. Caution is a yellow light. If you like me, I drive through yellow lights. I'm sorry. Or, okay, let's, let's make it better. Fear is a stop sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caution is those yellow and black signs that tell you the road is curving, and so you apply your, oh, I hear you. You apply your brakes. Simply because you know that that is cautious. Do you stop on that yellow sign? I would be so unhappy behind you if you stopped on a, like, Lord Jesus, it's a fire. Help us today. Can I tell you something else about fear? Fear is misinformed. Caution is well-informed. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I read an article about the difference between fear and caution, and they gave a few points. It says, caution is peaceful. Fear is panicky. Caution stops to listen to God, and fear rushes to embrace doom. 
Caution pulls God into the situation, say, Lord, how are you going to help me with this? And fear leaves God out of the situation and says, there's no way out of this situation. Caution shrinks uh, the problems and fear elevates the problems. And guess what? Fear elevates the problem over God. Caution expects the best outcome and fear expects the worst. You need to check yourself as you're dealing with how you're going to do what God is calling you to do. Is your glass half empty or is your glass half full? Caution equips while fear paralyzes. Caution laughs at the future in happiness about the possibilities while fear dreads the future. My second point I want to bring with you today, do the work caution requires. Do the work caution requires. And what is that? Well, you remember when we were children, you'd come to the street and you'd get ready to run out into the street. they say, don't run into the street. But then they tell you what? Look both ways. That is the work that caution requires. Gideon understood this particular thing. He understood that his people, his father, and the rest of these people had a strong reliance on these altars to Baal and this Asherah pole. And as a result of what he understood, he realized if I'm to do what God wants me to do and I'm to do it as best as I possibly can or even like, like not bothered by anybody else, I should do it at a time when they are not going to be awake. I'm going to do it at a time when no one's going to be paying attention. As a result of this, he moved with vigilance in the cover of night. Notice, notice the understanding that he has about his people and their uh, adherence or strong reliance on this false idol. Listen to me clearly. Because he knows that they are going to get mad, Selena. Because he knows, uh, 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 Sophia, that they are going to be really unhappy with what he's about to do. He uses that information to inform his mission. But not stop his mission. The false idols don't stop his mission. They inform his mission. Sometimes, I need to help you understand this, the apprehension that you and I feel, the anxiety that we feel about doing what God has called us to do, about being great, about stepping out in faith, about starting that new job, or about being that entrepreneur, or about ending a job, or ending a relationship, or starting something else. Some of us are caught in this moment of apprehension and anxiety. I need you to understand, what you're seeing is only sent to inform you about what God has called you to do but not stop you from the mission God has called you to do. So if you know that if you do it right now, whatever God has called you to do, you're going to get the greatest uh, 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 pushback on it, then stop and find the moment where you're not going to get the greatest pushback. Sometimes it's not best to strike the iron while it's hot because cooler heads come on, finish that phrase. Cooler heads prevail. Some of us have been in a holding pattern because of fear and danger. And the Holy Spirit stopped by to tell you and I today, listen, 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 listen. God has stopped by to tell you, listen, you can proceed, but you got to proceed in prudence. God has stopped by to tell you today, listen, I know you've been waiting for the right moment, but I need you to understand you can go forward. Just go forward with some forethought. 
God is saying, listen, I know you've been waiting to move. You can move, but I need you to move with some mindfulness. God is saying, I, you've been waiting to advance, but I need you to advance with some awareness of what is actually happening around you. You know when you are moving and, you, and, and you're about to mess up when you have not calculated the cost. When you have not figured out all of what it's going to take. But let me first share with you my very first point I said with you. Make sure you're moving forward. Go forward. Number one, I said go, get going slowly and comfortably, but get going. Number two, do the work caution requires. That's look both ways. I uh, remember uh, that when you're running across the street, you, you remember that for everything I learned, I learned in kindergarten. When you, when you go into the street, they tell you, uh, look both ways. Another thing I want to add on to that, it's not in my notes, but I'll tell you, listen, listen, I remember as a kid just hanging out with my dad um, and getting ready to cross the street. And one of the things that I would do uh, Adam, right before I would cross the street uh, hanging out with my dad, Sheila, is I would always make sure that I held on to my dad's hands. David, I was fascinated with my dad's hands because they were big, man. I mean, his hands were huge. Uh, he, would, he would pick up hammers and sledgehammers, and he would just be banging away at things. And, and Joyce, all I wanted to do in life was just be as big and strong, suave like my dad. Because, man, listen, I'll turn my dad's hand over, and you can see all the veins popping out of his hand. And as a little kid, I'm enamored. Man, we sitting in praise and worship or prayer, or prayer meeting. Uh, uh, and, Regina, I'll be sitting there just staring at my dad's hands and looking at his fingers, just trying to say to myself, Lord, one day, if I could just be as big and as strong, just like my daddy. Now I got my son staring at me hard. So if I see him, I, I feel him. He'd be, he'd be looking over at me. And right now, right now, he's, he's just enamored with this whole idea that he'll be taller than me. He like, he, I try, I'm trying to tell him that I, don't, I really don't care. Like, so, so we went for his physical uh, for sports uh, just the other day, Marlene, and we, we were there with the doctor, and I just, I just had to put it on him just one time. The doctor says, um, uh, she wants she want to, to, to get his height. I said, hey, listen, can you, can you get our height? Can you get my height too? So she, so, so she got his height, and, that, and then I went next, and I, she got my height. She said, oh, my goodness. I said, what? She said, y'all are the same height. I said, I told you, I got you, boy. She says, y'all are the same exact height. That was like two weeks ago, Sabrina. He got me by an inch like right now, man. That dude. <laughs> Sister McBride can't cook enough food for him. He's constantly eating. Like you make him a plate, he eat that plate, and he come back looking in the pot like. She got to be like, your daddy ain't eat yet. Put that food down. <laughs> but man. One of the things that you want to make sure is that you are holding God's hand the whole way through this process of moving in the way how he wants you to move. You want to make sure that as you continue what's in, to look at what's your skills, what's your abilities, what do you have, you need to make sure that God's hand is still in the pot of what you're trying to do, still in the process, in the progress of what you're trying to do. So a little caution never hurt nobody. Looking both ways always protects you. And holding on to God's hand ensures some stability. But the Bible continues to go. They figure out as they wake up in the morning, oh my goodness, 
Man, somebody broke down Baal's altar and they destroyed the Asherah pole. And who did this? The Bible says after clear, uh, uh, considerable uh, investigation, they see, you know what? It was Gideon who did this. And I read this part. And sometimes you got to read the word of God. You got to read it like clear, like fresh. Like this just does not make sense to me. What I read here, Sheila, they're just like, Yo, put it in my terms, go get Joash and tell him to bring his boy out here because it's his son who did this and we're going to kill him. I'm like, the audacity of these biblical people just ready to off somebody at a moment's notice. Like, how you going? You don't think he loved his son? You don't think he wants his son to be safe and to be safe? I don't know about you, but you just can't woke up into Relove and just be like, hey, all the men in Relove, step outside. We're going to kill you. We're going to be like, bruh, you come over here. Suave going to get you. You know what I mean? Shorty over here going to roll in on you. My man's in the back on the wheelchair going to hop down the stairs and be like, what's up? You in the middle of us now. This, there's just no way, Joyce, in my mind that as I'm reading this thing, I'm saying to myself, they cannot expect what they're saying to actually come true. Hey, bring your son. Verse 30, uh, the people of the town demand of demand. You, my, you demand, my child, you want to demand. Even the Lord said, um, just go take your son, Abraham. It's just uh, he kind of gave Abraham, these guys ain't given a demand of Joash. Bring out your son. Bring him out, we're going to, because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Ashraf's pole and Gideon's father's response, oh my goodness, it's so tough. Who is so tough? <laughs> His response is just a good response. He said, he said, are you going to plead Baal's cause? I, I dare you. I double dog dare you. Any one of y'all touch my boy, you're going to be dead by the morning time. Because if Baal is a God, he can defend himself. Now, I don't know about you, but this ought to speak life into somebody's mind. Because if you remember the beginning of this particular story, when the angel walks up to Gideon and he says, Hey, mighty man of valor, I'm calling you to be great. He says, Who? Me, my tribe is the least in Israel and I am the least in my family. You can't be talking to me. And in this particular situation, I see this as a moment where, 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 where what Gideon actually felt about himself, he didn't realize that his daddy didn't feel the same way about him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You see, Gideon felt that he was the least and he was lowest and he was the weakest and he was the poorest in his family. But as soon as a threat came to him, his daddy rose up and said, I, I, try me. Try me, because I need you to know that the enemy that you see now, you will not see uh, tomorrow. Some of us walk in here and we were sheepish about the call that God put on our lives. And we felt like we were least and we felt like we were less. And as soon as a problem came, you started to walk in on that fear. But I need you to understand, God has designed victory from you from the time that you were born. And so he steps in front of your problems and he steps in front of your enemies and he steps in front of your problems and he says, I dare you to touch my child. I 
promise you I'll off you before the night is over. Some of us have lost some enemies and you didn't even know they were gone simply because God took them while you were doing nothing. Listen to Gideon's response in this particular whole, this whole portion of the story. As soon as they come out talking about give me your son, what does Gideon say? Now don't mess up Gideon with Joash. What does Gideon say? Nothing. They're like, oh yeah, um, so, so, so bring, out, bring out your son. Uh, we gonna kill him. Gideon's nothing. He's got nothing to say in this whole process. He's got nothing to say in this exchange. I want to say to my last point today. When you've done what God has called you to do and you've gone out and you've done the greatest that you could possibly do, you've took caution in, you've pushed fear aside, let God defend you. You've done what God has called you to do. You've prayed, you've fasted, you've praised, you've worshiped, and now you've gone out, you've stepped out, you've put caution to the side, you looked at, you said, okay, cool, I know I'm gonna look to my left and to my right, I see them coming, I know that if I do X, they'll do Y, so I'm gonna do Z, because they'll have no answer, and then all of a sudden they raise up against you, let God defend you. When you've counted the cost, and you've measured out what it's gonna take, and then you go do it, let God, God defend you. He is our strong tower. Let God defend you. He is a mighty rock. Let God defend you. He is a shield about us. Let God defend us. He is a way maker. Let God defend us because he is a lifter of our hands. <laughs> the Bible says that when the wicked, even my enemies, came upon me to eat at my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Let God defend you. David says of God, listen, listen he, says, he, he says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. He then surely he will deliver me. Paul even says this of God, and you will agree with me. He says, what then shall we say? If God before us, Come on, let me hear you say, who? If God be for us, who can be against us? I need you to understand, when God stands up against your enemies, victory is sure to come. When God stands up to defend you and I, victory is sure to come. On that particular day, the only thing that died was Baal's altar and those Asherah poles and those few guys that were coming against him, they could have died too. But soon as Gideon let his daddy defend him, oh my goodness. Victory today is yours. And you ain't got to tell the devil nothing. You just got to let God defend you. Now, preacher, why you say let? Why you say let God defend us? You see, because some of us loud mouth and trigger fingered and lead foot Christians oftentimes try to beat God to the punch to help defend us better than God can actually defend us. Uh, and, and, and that's because if you're like me, you sometimes, you just move too fast. You'd be like, God, you ain't moving fast enough to handle this person who's dealing with me, Jesus. And the, and the, and the crazy part about God defending 
is that if you happen to be someone in here today who is hindering someone else from reaching their potential and getting to their purpose that God has called them to, the way that God will allow his defense of that person to be revealed to you is in the form of protection to you. Let me, let me, let me be clear. If you're a perpetrator today who is stopping someone from reaching their purpose and the goal that God has called them to, God's revelation to you will be to protect you and sometimes protecting means to pull you to the side, take you out of the game, give you a moment of reprieve, give you a chance to sleep. I'm going to continue to make it more practical. Give you a chance to eat. Set you beside the rivers of waters. Be your psychiatrist. You see, because oftentimes we in the church... Many of our churches today are victimhoods where, 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 where we are place, places for, for, for people to run in and find safety and there is nothing wrong with that. But our God also came for perpetrators as well. And don't look too close about somebody else behind you or around you because truth is you and I are sometimes stumbling blocks and hindrances to somebody else mm -hmm. because you're an alpha and they're a beta and they don't like your alpha attitude. Because the trauma of their life causes them to move through things faster than you do. And so now they're railroading you in, 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 in reality, in their reality. They're not even railroading you. They're just saying, hey, what you're saying doesn't actually make sense. So I'm going to move you over to this side and I'm going to continue to go. And you're feeling marginalized. And God will say to that person moving quickly or that person who seems like a perpetrator to you, hey, I'm going to just pull you to the side over here. But remember, I said I'm going to make it practical, right? Sometimes you and I are a problem simply because we're just hungry. No, seriously. Sometimes you and I are an issue simply because we're, we're just sleepy. You remember when, when we were children. You might not remember it, but you remember children. They become the crankiest when it's time to go to bed. Sometimes God got to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to put you to sleep. So you wonder why, thank you, Easy. You're, you're, you, want, you wonder why God put uh, Adam to sleep? It wasn't just because Adam didn't have no one else to call like him. He started to get cranky. He said, best way I'm going to deal with Adam is I'm going to put this man to sleep. As soon as I put him to sleep, I'm going to show him my greatness. Speaking to those of you today who have been stuck between revelation and reality, whether you are there because you're a victim or you're there because you're a perpetrator or you're there because you're stuck in fear, I need you to understand this one particular thing. Let God defend you when your enemies rise up against you. recognize this your daddy Jesus doesn't see you how you see yourself 
He knows that over your lifespan that things happened to you that you didn't enjoy. He knows that things happened to you that you couldn't, that you didn't feel comfortable with. He knows even how you talk about yourself in the mirror. He knows that you consider yourself as the least, as the weakest, and as the poorest. But what God sees when he looks at you and I, he sees possibilities. He sees chances. He sees growth. He sees opportunities. He says, you know what? I'm going to always step in for her. I'm going to always step in for him. When you're moving from reality, from revelation to reality, go, go comfortably, but keep going. Two, do the work that caution requires. And three, let God defend you. An old song that we used to sing says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. You see, when God comes in, he likes to make an entrance. And if somebody is in your way, he's going to make sure that they leave like roaches when the lights turn on or like mouse when the cat comes back to play simply because you're God's child and he wants to make sure that you progress in the purpose that he has planned for your life. He wants you to be great. He's called you to be mighty. He's called you to be a hero in your family. Can I share with you something? You can do it. Young people in the church, you can do it. You don't have to fall into the, the, the same pitfalls that we adults fell into. You can do it. And fathers out there, doesn't matter what our children think about us. Let's defend them at all costs. One of the things I want to point out to you about this particular story, and I'll close. It wasn't so much that Joash showed up, but Joash lived out the meaning of his name. Joash means God supports. And on the plan and purpose in his son's life, when his son was going to meet certain death, he came out and supported his son. Fathers, I need you to know our support is big. I remember running cross country in high school. I would always ask my mom and dad to show up and, and be there for me, but because of the way how our finances worked and stuff like that, they couldn't, they couldn't come. Mom was uh, running a daycare and dad was uh, running transportation for the city. Uh, so I would, you know, just take public transportation with my track and field team and we would go to different parks around New York and we would just run cross country. Uh, and I remember always running the, uh, the, the three mile run I would hate that run so much, man. I'll, I'll probably get into my last mile with that. And Regina, I'll be getting tired. My back begin to hurt. And just about every one of those races, Sabrina, every time I would do one of those, man, I would, if, I, if I had a lead before I got into my last mile, Marilyn, man, it, it would dwindle away because I would just be so discouraged. I'd be so down. I'd be so bothered. And then... One particular day in this park called Clove Lake, uh, 
as I was running in my last mile, barely making it through, I looked ahead of me and I saw a familiar figure. And as I kept running, I kept my eyes on this figure because I said to myself, I I've never seen this figure in any of my races before, but this figure looks familiar to me. And as I continued running, uh, I, I realized that that figure was my father. And as he looked out at me, I looked out at him and I began to pick up my pace. And I began to see that that was my dad. And not only was he just standing there, but he was clapping his hands and he was cheering me on as I was coming into my last uh, couple hundred yards of this particular race. Unbeknownst to me, I began to pass people and pass people. When I got to the end of the race, my coach looked at me. He says, hey, man, you ran better than you've ever ran. What was the distance? I said, when I looked out, I could see that my father was supporting me and it helped me run a little harder and it helped me move a little faster and it helped me breathe a little easier and I want to share with you on today that if you look out on your purpose you'll see a familiar figure and that figure will be the figure of God your father who is cheering for you who is clapping for you who is making sure that you're going to run the race harder than ever run before you're going to run it swifter than ever run before and you're going to make sure you win on your end all because your daddy is watching Watching you. I was tired and exhausted, but I was happy within. My daddy came and watched me race. I beat a few people I had never beat before, and I told my dad, Dad, if you show up like this again, I'm, I'll probably die. I need you to understand, fathers, showing up is big for us. Presence is big for us. Being there means an enemy. Can't, can I just say one more thing before I close? Just one, just one more quick thing. Man, this little dude like my daughter. And I said, okay, cool. I told her already, swap. I said, yeah, he, he, he's not an option. I'd say it, Mark, real quick. I said, I said, Ian, he's not an option. So she's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. So I said, okay, cool. We had camp meeting last week, Sabbath. We in potluck area eating, chilling, having a good time. I'm scanning the room, you know what I mean? I'm watching everything. Adam, you know, I'm just looking out. I see old boy trying to make a little, he trying to move over on his table, Izzy, to where my daughter's at. I said, okay. I said, maybe she ain't giving the message, so I'm going to go ahead and give the message. Sister me, Brad, I ain't say nothing. I just went over and just sat at the table too. Hey, what y'all doing? Everything good over here? My man said, oh. <laughs> Listen, your presence, dads, man, you, sometimes you just got to step outside. You step right outside and, and they'll, they'll say, oh, shoot, his daddy here. That's right. Let God arise and your enemies will scatter. Let God defend you. If today you want to agree with this message today, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand. You want to move from revelation to reality. Father in heaven, in the sanctuary today, are raised hands, Father, saying, God, I'm... I believe the calling you've given on my life. God, you gave me a revelation that told me I would be great, Father, but somehow I'm stuck between revelation and reality. God, I pray this week that we would make steps to move and move in comfort, but do what you called us to do.
God, I pray that we today, this week, Father, God, that we would do the work that caution requires. Let us not be so apprehensive, so anxious, so fearful about the moment that we don't do the work that caution requires to do what you've called us to do. And then, oh God, after we've done it, when the world is mad at us and things aren't looking so well, Father, I pray that you would allow us to let you defend us because you can do it better than we could ever do. In Jesus' name we pray. Let the whole church say amen and amen. Come on, give God a hand praise in the building. Come on, magnify God in the building right where you are. Hallelujah.